Welcome everyone, Spencer Sue here, Bay Area Tech Realtor. Uh, today's topic is about whether we should expect something similar to the last recession related to the housing market, at least here in the Bay Area. However, it's very important to understand the context of things as to what happened and what led to 2008's correction, on, especially at least primarily on the real estate side, and what will likely happen on the 2020 recession that seems to be looming, even though things are being progressed as they may seem. Now, from an unemployment figure, things are significantly worse. However, it's important to understand of the asset class that real estate is in to determine where it is likely to go, at least from a medium term perspective. And so 2008 was some time ago. However, people still have it fresh on their mind, but people tend to forget how that happened. Some people don't even know how that happened. So what happened in 2008 was there were a lot of phony products from a Wall Street perspective of mortgage-backed securities, different things of tying derivatives in to, to make it where it was too easy to buy homes. So there was just too many things that were loose. So it was way too easy for people to qualify for homes that they shouldn't have, including different things like stated income, not even showing evidence of employment. So people can, were buying multiple homes all over the place. And because real estate was booming because of all these fake products where people shouldn't have been buying, um, when it crashed, it crashed hard. And there are different things about during that time which you can learn from how it may not be very similar to this time around. So number one, uh, people were just leveraged out of control because if you put very little down and your property was going sky, skyrocketing up, uh, you might as well buy as many properties as you can. At least those are the mindsets of those people. However, the downside is they were not disciplined where they thought it would go up forever, especially with that kind of trajectory, which was, which was 10 to 20% year over year increases. So there's that one aspect that it was just a frenzy and there was no controls um, for, for that period, which had caused significant uh, issues when things started to get south. There's a, several things that happened during that time when things went south is one, people had very little equity in their homes because they didn't have to put very much down payment. That was number one. Number two, banks as a whole had financial struggles on their balance sheet because they're the ones that were uh, actively involved in this uh basically frothiness. So they themselves had challenges of trying to even stay afloat, which is why they needed to be bailed out. The third aspect is the process, because the banks knew that there was no equity or it was like an artificial equity in these properties, they, they needed to uh, get rid of this, these bad homes uh, on their, off their books as fast as they can. Hence why there's, they went through foreclosures very quickly and they just kind of got rid of it and why there was such a steep decline in the, price, in the home prices uh, all over the country, especially in areas that were significantly frothier to begin with. So it's important to understand what happened in 2008, but also what was the impact of 2008 through 2009, which was the worst case and the worst period of real estate in recent years. Um, 
It's also important to understand the location because the location absolutely matters. So at the later part of this clip, I'm gonna go over the data from 2006 to 2020, March 2006 to March 2020. It's important to see how things have declined even during that the downside, but also understand like even if you had bought in 2006, which was right before what the worst real estate recession that there would have been, as long as you kept it still, you would have been earning a significant amount of returns through this time. Even if you had, unfortunately, bad luck or bad timing of buying it at arguably one of the most, one of the worst times. But it's important to understand like the time frame of people of owning a property is very important to the returns that one would get. Um, because now that we look at things, everything is in hindsight, at least of the past data. However, there are important milestones and, and concepts to understand about 2008, 2020, but at the aspect of home ownership, especially in strong markets like the Bay Area. So before going through the data, I wanted to talk about at the same time of what is different now than before. So I mentioned what happened before and the cause of the recession then was faulty products, people shouldn't have been buying homes, people were leveraged, out of control, buying multiple homes, stated income, no equity. And that's a very dangerous because when you have nothing to lose, as in you're losing 3% down or some 0%, you, can, you might as well just walk away because bankruptcy in this case was a financial decision that actually was better than trying to sell a house and, and sell at a loss. So the whole mentality then was very different than what it is now. This time around the recession is caused or the pending recession is caused depending on how you measure and when you determine that is by an outside factor which is COVID. Now COVID has significantly dampened and affected almost every industry and it, it'll take time to see how it plays out. However, it's not a real estate caused recession. So it's very fundamentally, it's important to understand that. You also have to understand that the loan products itself over the last decade were significantly more stringent and tighter where people that had to get a loan had to put usually a significant amount of down if they didn't have to show income or uh, they had to show proof of employment. And so it's important to understand, especially here in the Bay Area, that almost a majority of people have significant equity in their homes this time around. Because for example, let's say you bought in 2012, or even if you bought in 2006. At this time, if you kept it, you would have about 40% equity at this time. That is a significant amount of equity that people will not walk away from very easily. So if people are really in distress, they would do whatever they can to keep this house because 40% of let's say an average house in the East Bay is a million dollars, it's $400,000 that they will have to give up um, if they're unable to pay for houses. So there's a significant buffer which makes people uh, figure out ways to make it work, that's number one. Number two, the banks are significantly more capitalized now than before. Uh, if you look at the profit margins of the banks previously, which is incredible, I mean some of the most profitable businesses uh, in the entire US. And so this time around, they are well more capitalized, so they have this process which is called a forbearance, which is basically mortgage relief, where individuals 
don't have to pay mortgage if they are in some sort of dire situation. Honestly, this time it was too easy to get in forbearance. You actually did not even have to show evidence. And so it's a matter, it's a question of what happens at the end of the forbearance period, which is usually three to four months. Um, some will just get it tacked on at the end of their payments. Some could just be interest only. Some may be a way to remodify this loan. There's a lot more support from the banks because they themselves are in a much stronger position than before. Uh, and so they're more uh, willing and wanting to figure out a way to make things work than to go through the formal foreclosure process. So that's something also very important. Um, and the third thing actually I would point out is real estate this time around may be considered a safe haven because people are very timid, especially with how quickly the stock market had reacted, even though it's gotten back up. But people are, could be scared, they may have sold, they may be scarred from the stock market altogether. So real estate, at least in the residential um, homeowners side of the, of the space, uh, could be considered a safe haven. So there could be more money that may be allocated from other areas, from stocks, from cash, from bonds, to real estate. So that's also something important to know that it may be, it may be supported for those reasons. So those are the biggest uh, changes and differences when it comes to what it was like in 2008, what it is now. Now, does that mean prices would just sky keep skyrocketing up or prices would not decline? Um, in the short term, since I'm doing a report every week and I make offers every week, I know what prices are selling for because I know whether I won or whether I lost and I find out what it ultimately sold for relative to comps. So in the short term period, um, prices are still continuing to rise. It's modest, but it's still continuing to rise. So there's no decline as of right now in the Bay Area. Now long term, I'll show you what the charts look like, as in, let's say you held it for several years, which most homeowners should. This is not a fix and flip business for, for people. That's a different world and different game if you're going that space. But from a general homeownership perspective, it's important to understand, especially if you're not a, a owner, period, like you're a renter, you're still gonna be paying rent and you're still gonna be paying someone else's mortgage during this time. And so the next thing I wanna share with you is the data as to what happened in 2006, what uh, through 2020, the price prices of when it declined, how much it declined. I think you'll be enlightened to see, hey look, actually after a long period, um, things tend to be still very positive. And it'll continue to be that way. Because think about this from this other angle. Let's say you were still working and you kept the same job. Five years later, you kept the same job. You didn't make any new large payment. Will you have more money now than five years later? The answer will be likely yes, especially if you're saving it. So will a lot of other people in the Bay Area. And so if inventory, even if it has grown slightly, but let's say inventory has, has grown, you're still gonna have this competition for the same types of products here, yet you have a lot more money than before. And uh, with that and for inflation and just how much people save, then typically prices will go up. So the only way prices tend to go down for a long period, and this is a very systemic problem for the Bay Area if that's the case, is if uh, we lose all our jobs, tech jobs no longer are here, they're all moved somewhere else. These are bigger systemic problems that you and I can, uh, can even figure out. 
Um, but fortunately, over the last three decades, it has not been the case. And that's likely to continue to still be the case, especially as we get driven into a more uh, digital future. So let's take a look at some of the data. And so you can see exactly what I'm talking about from the periods that I mentioned, 2006 to 2020. Okay, so this is the analysis portion of what I want to cover. Um, so this is a this is the data that I've extracted from our MLS from 2006 all the way to 2020, and I have it broken down by different types of properties, so single family versus condos, townhomes, and different cities I selected: um, San Jose, Santa Clara, Sunnyvale, Belmont, San Carlos, Cupertino, Fremont, Hayward. So some in the peninsula some in the South Bay, some in the uh, East Bay. So some of the things that I want to share with you. So generally the prices for most of the areas had the biggest declines during 2008 to 2009. Depending on the cities, some had had a pretty big rebound in 2010 and then may have had a slight decline depending on the location in 2011. So it really depends on the area, but for this sake, I looked at 2008, 2009 because that's the greatest decline uh, on aggregate. Now, you'll notice that certain areas, such as San Jose, when it, when it had a decline in 2008 or 2009, it had a very steep decline. So in this area, prices have dropped by 50% for single-family homes. However, that information is not the same for all areas. So for example, Santa Clara, at the worst of things, it dropped by 22%. In um, in Areas that are more uh, that are that are the hottest and the strongest markets like Belmont, San Carlos, at the worst case is dropped by 16 percent. And then you have some places like Cupertino, very strong market, only dropped 12 percent during the worst real estate recession in history. And it's important to understand that. And you can see some of the places in the East Bay, like Hayward, got hit really hard, 60 percent. Now I show this because this. This is all hindsight, and you will not know when the worst is. Um, it's just not possible. So it's all hindsight. And remember, depending on your situation, you may have different things uh, that are a factor, like rent, that's still a factor, or needing to move to a better school district, that's still a factor that needs to keep in mind. Now, we, we took a look at the returns actually since 2006. So this means if you owned it just two years, before the biggest real estate recession, what do your returns look like on average up until now? So you can see, even though it has declined by 50%, the return aspect of it is still 5.5% annually. And that's for San Jose. Different markets range from 5%, as you can see, some are lower where it's 4% to 5%. Now, the interesting part um, about this data is that generally the 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 average returns from 2006 to now are between the five to seven percent for most of these areas. But then the other thing to look at is the return since the 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 climb back up since 2010. You can see in San Jose is very strong, 11 percent. You can look at areas that were stronger. So like Belmont and Carlos, their actually gains were, were less. And this has several reasons. One, it never dropped that much to begin with. So that's important. So you had a you didn't have as low of, of a base point as you had others. So they were much safer and just more consistent. That's number one. 
Number two is the dollar amount was already, it's very high. And so you have a, not a ceiling per se, but you have a growth that will be slower just because of the law of large numbers. You can see the average single family home as of right now in St. Carlos is 2.3 million. If you compare that to Cupertino, which is 2.4, and you can see different markets, let's say Hayward, it's the average single family home is 780,000. You can see that their growth from the rebound was significantly higher. And so what does this mean? It, it's, a, it's a concept that was always there. And I tell people, um, it depends on your goals, number one. If you, if you think from a long-term perspective, you, you still tend to do very well. I mean, five to six percent on something that you would otherwise be paying rent is, is still very positive. And outside of rent, not paying rent and the tax benefits and all these other things. So there's a lot of things that add up from a returns perspective. But it also depends on your time horizon. So I tell all of my clients that. So if you are nearing retirement age and you need this money to do something else with it, or if you really feel like you want to try to guess in time of market, now is the perfect time to sell immediately. You'd rather get ahead of things if you strongly be believe that there's going to be a recession. Now, on the home buying side, if you are, especially if, especially if you're a first-time buyer, then you don't know when it will drop and you're not sure either. Keep in mind, this is the worst real estate recession in history. And these are the numbers. So it's important to understand that. And as I mentioned in the previous part, the dynamics are significantly different this time around of how much equity was built in. You can see how much equity was built in over this chart, because even if they bought for several years, their equity is at least even bought three, four years ago, your equity is 30, 30 plus percent already. So there, so the dynamics are going to be different where it's going to likely be significantly less of decline for those following reasons. But it also depends on your time horizon. As long as you're able to keep it for several years at the very least, which all homeowners should have that mindset, then uh, you're generally in a pretty good position. Even if you look back in this example, which uh, wasn't like I said, was was one of the most difficult times for real estate. And so this is what I wanted to capture. So at least you you know from a math and data perspective the significant differences between now and before. So as I mentioned, um, in conclusion, what I likely see of happening with the market, um, short term, we're going to see continued modest increases, mainly because inventory levels are so low. Uh, buyers are continuing to go out. So I suspect modest increases, if not, um, it could be flat, but things will still move forward. Uh, in the medium term, as in three months to one year, that's unknown. There's too many factors that you don't know about, I don't know about, that has a lot to do with how the government plays things, how uh, the, the treatment or the situation for COVID gets resolved. There's too many unknowns for that. So that is the unknown. So if you're trying to time it from that, it's going to be very difficult. Um, but from a long-term perspective, three years plus, um, which most homeowners should be living at least at the very least that long, uh, then you're going to likely see something like this, which is on average a very positive outcome um, based off of what we see at the worst real estate recession in history. So I hope this was helpful because I, it's it's very important to understand, number one, the fundamental reason of why you're buying a place, that's very important to not let this as to be a distraction. Number two, 
to understand in the grand scheme of things, things tend to go very positive in the Bay Area. Um, and we may lose sight because of what's happening from a news article perspective, but I hope this paints some data and some light into, uh, into that. So I hope this was helpful. Of course, everybody's situation is different. So if you wanna have a consultation or you wanna have just a private conversation about your goals, your needs, and what my take is, like I said, it all depends on yourself, depends on the location, and then you'll have, uh, you'll have my answer um, as to what to do from there. So tune in next week. Uh, we have a lot that will be happening this week. Um, on Wednesday, we have a fantastic Facebook Live event with uh, Ed Diaz at Kuna Advisors to talk about the lending space. Uh, on Friday, we'll go over my market update report. And then uh, next Wednesday, we have a fantastic guest, uh, Jamie, out of the LAOC area. She's one of the top producers out there. So that's going to be a fantastic Facebook Live, uh, seeing what other markets and how they're performing. Um, and we should have one more guest for that one. So stay tuned. Any questions, feel free to let me know anytime. Have a good one. Bye. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this new episode on my podcast. For more up-to-date information related to the Bay Area real estate market and for upcoming interviews, please subscribe.